All right, welcome to the Life Science Rundown. This is Nick Katman with the FDA Group. Uh, before we jump into our discussion for today, just a little bit about the FDA Group. We help life science companies in the areas of quality assurance, regulatory affairs, clinical operations, commissioning, qualification and validation, as well as manufacturing and engineering. We offer three engagement models, which are consulting projects, staff augmentation, and full-time employee recruitment. So if you ever find yourself in need, just head over to the fdagroup.com uh, to check us out and get in touch. So today I am talking with Mary Dedigan-McCauley um, and she is with uh, GAO. And uh, Mary, what does GAO stand for? Hi, Nick. GAO is the Government Accountability Office. We've been around for 100 years this year and we provide fact-based, nonpartisan facts. Ooh, that has a, a good ring to it. I like that. We can, we can use a lot more of that. <laughs> so, um, well, we find that it's pretty important right now. Yeah. So I read an article um, about you and um, your interactions with the FDA. And um, we had connected before this and I had explained that I never knew about GAO. Um, so it was really interesting because um, when I think about FDA, I think human health, uh, HHS, I don't, I, I didn't consider other bodies. So could you maybe just start by introducing GAO, its function, uh, what your role is, how long you've been there? Sure. So GAO, the role really is to oversee programs and policies on every aspect that the federal government does. So, I mean, we look at DOD, we look at USDA, we look at Veterans Affairs, we look at everything. My portfolio just happens to be, um, I'm a director of public health. So my portfolio is specifically looking at HHS and even drilling down even further. I work a lot with um, FDA on the issues related to drug shortage, um, international inspections, pathogen security, and things like that. Um, so what we do is we look to see that uh, we're using the taxpayer money wisely. We want to make sure that FDA is implementing the policies and the programs that it's intended to do in the most efficient um, and in best manner possible. And how is FDA doing? So FDA has a huge charge. I mean, as I'm sure you all know, they, they have a lot to do and they wear not only a regulatory cap, um, but that they, they just have a huge responsibility. And COVID is a good example uh, right now. Um, they're responsible for emergency use authorization for our vaccines and therapeutics for COVID, which is a big oversight. In addition, they have to continue to keep doing what they've been doing um, before COVID hit. And so one of the things that we looked at recently was the extent to which they've been able to continue with their uh, inspections of the foreign drug manufacturing, where a lot of our drugs that are consumed here in the U.S. are coming from. And it's tough. They're having a tough time. You know, they're in a pandemic like the rest of us. And how, how are their inspections going, in your opinion, um, internationally as well as domestically? Yeah, well, we're faring a little bit better domestically. Um, they have started using kind of a risk-based model and looking at where infection rates are, and they've started to do some, in, some inspections, but I should probably back up. Back in March of last year, they actually paused all inspections for the safety of their own investigators, as well as for the safety of those at, um, at the manufacturing plants. 
And so that means that all of those drugs that are out there that are, you know, on the counter that we're not able to have those inspections that FDA would normally do to make sure that they continue to be safe and effective. Mm -hmm. And what was GAO's um, viewpoint about the halting of inspections? Did it get to a po point where you said, okay, we know what coronavirus is, we know where the hot spots are, and we need you to get out there. And was there any sort of friction or tension between what you wanted to see them do versus what they wanted to do? Yeah. So early on, um, I think it was challenging, right? None of us really knew much about the virus. And so we certainly understand FDA's needs to halt inspections, both domestic and internationally. Um, I think we have a better understanding of why they want to do that internationally. I don't think any of us are in a hurry to get on a plane. And if you look at where most of these drugs are being produced that are coming to the United States, they're being manufactured in China and over in India. So understandably, they have concern for their employees. Um, but at some point, they're going to need to figure out how to continue to do these inspections. If they can't do them in person, they have to come up with some way to do it because they're going to end up with a backlog. Mm -hmm. So where are we today? And are you, is GAO happy with where we are today or are there things that you wanna see get ramped up? Yeah, so we'd like to see them um, coming up with ways that they can continue to do the inspections so that we don't have the backlog. FDA does these inspections for a reason, they're critical. And they have other tools that they're using. For example, they can sample um, at the border they can ask for documents, um, but that's not the same as going in and doing an investigation. I mean, when that investigator goes in there, you look at records to see, are they written in the same handwriting week after week with the same pen or pencil? Something's a little off there if you see that, right? I mean, you have different people going in and out every day. You can't tell that kind of thing. You can't look at the um, hygiene of a plant or the hygiene of the personnel by looking at uh, documents. Um, you can't tell if they have rat traps down on the ground. So that inspection is really key. We would like for them to figure out how they can continue to conduct the inspections and ensure they don't get that much of a backlog that they get so far behind that they never catch up. And are they taking your direction or, or what's the extent of the pushback? Yeah, so GAO makes recommendations. Um, and we can't compel the agencies to do our recommendations, but in general, about 80% of them end up getting implemented. This has high visibility. Let me tell you, it's not like FDA just has their head in the sand. They're very much aware. Um, they agreed with our recommendations that they, that they need to consider as they go forward planning inspections, what to do about this backlog and how they can use some of these other, other uh, tools that they have at their disposal to maybe conduct an inspection. So they're, they're working on it, um, but our recommendations are still open and they're not gonna be closed quickly. The, these are things that will take time. Yeah. We talked about the new guidance they came out with and I, I did a whole podcast on it and I already forgot um, the, the, the term. It was REI or RIE. I think it was RIE, remote. Remote virtual inspections or something like that. But I, I know the guidance that you're referring to that just recently came out. Yeah. So um, is that one of the tools that you were referring to? So at the time, the tools that we had, that they had not really had that down as one of the specific tools that they were using. But it's good that they're thinking outside of the box and they're trying to figure out how they can do remote inspections visually, virtually. 
What does that mean? We don't know. During our uh, course of our review, we found that there were a lot of different definitions of a virtual inspection. I mean, it could be a camera going in, they have that technology to kind of show where to go and what's what it looks like. It could be a document review. So um, we'll, we're continuing to monitor it to see exactly how FDA plans to use that tool. But if you look at that guidance at the bottom, it says exactly what we've been saying all along in our, in our work. It does not substitute for an inspection. Hmm. It gives them additional information, which is great because you know you want them to keep keep their finger on the pulse of what's happening out there. But it doesn't substitute for an inspection. Yeah. So that backlog isn't going to necessarily go down. By statute, they have inspections to do. Would you say that it's more of a because um, when I hear you say that, I kind of what comes into my head is software is a medical device and how it's not a substitute for a doctor's visit, but it's an indicator about whether or not you should accelerate a visit. So would you say these types of um, RIE uh, tools that FDA is using is more of an indicator as to, boy, that, that um, you know, the visibility we had into that plant seemed concerning and I think they should be prioritized? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, think about it as, as Intel, right? They've got all these little different pieces of information coming in. And that was what part of the foreign offices being set up was supposed to do. Their boots on the ground in China, in India, where most of the manufacturing is occurring and giving us the Intel, where should we be going? FDA at this point doesn't even have a clear catalog of who should be inspected. It's really hard to get that catalog to know what the denominator is. Um, because, for example, companies uh, open up, they begin manufacturing, they also fold, they close, they don't notify, they, they don't get off the registration list. Or what we also found is that sometimes manufacturers want to say that they need an FDA inspection when they don't because it just looks good for their company. Right. So what are the milestones that are set forth? For... For FDA, what they need to accomplish. Ramping up, because I assume that there's got to be some sort of targets that have been put in place. Yeah, so FDA does have a goal that they want to touch base in every plant at least every five years. And they've been able to do a pretty good job of that. For the plants that they've selected, it's risk-based. They can't go to every plant. But for those plants that they've selected, they've generally been able to do that. Um, however, with the backlog, and with our concerns about having enough personnel to be able to do the inspections, I don't know how they're going to make that target. And that's exactly what we made a recommendation about. FDA, you need to tell us how you're going to figure out how to get out of this hole the longer the pandemic goes on. So is that where we are today? Is you're waiting on their proposal about how they're going to address it? Do you feel that um, they should have had a plan by now? Yes and no. I don't want to be too tough on FDA because the pandemic, even though we've all been planning for it for a long time, has taken us off guard. And that's also why part of our recommendation is it's not just for this current, but we need to think strategically. FDA needs to think strategically. How are we going to be able to do this when it happens again? This is what we call a low probability, high consequence event but it will happen again, particularly with all of the changes that we have in climate change and our interaction with um, animals and the global nature. 
we're going to have another pandemic and FDA needs to figure out how they're going to be able to continue their essential services during the next one. What's the, um, what's GAO's concern level with um, the manufacturing of drugs overseas versus domestic? So we have actually this issue is on what we call our high risk list. We have a high risk list for those products um, and programs that we have a concern um, for either fraud, waste, abuse, mismanagement, or kind of needs an overhaul. And FDA has had, we've had serious concerns for about two decades now, starting back in 1998, that with the increasing globalization of the drug manufacturing overseas, FDA is not an international, they're not a foreign service, right? And so how are they going to be able to, to regulate that overseas market? So we've had concerns for quite a while about how they're gonna be able to do this. So you've had concerns for two decades? We have, we have. And the reason that we have some of these concerns is that the way they carry, first of all, they weren't doing enough inspections relative to domestic. As the number of foreign manufacturers increased and ramped up, FDA wasn't uh, at the same time subsequently ramping up the number of foreign inspections. So they have improved there. And as a matter of fact, foreign inspections a few years ago actually surpassed domestic more in keeping with what's actually happening in manufacturing. So that was good. But then we found, uh, I guess it's been about two years now, that they started to drop off again. And they dropped off because mostly uh, for staffing reasons, they just don't have the number of investigators that they need to be able to do the inspection level that they want. So that was one problem, is not being able to do the number of inspections that they deem are mission critical that they should be doing. The other thing is when they do the inspections, they don't do them the same that they do here in the US. And most importantly, they send over an investigator for a very short period of time that takes into consideration everything being prearranged by either the manufacturing company itself or with significant notice, for example, they can give up to 12 week notice, like three months that they're coming. And imagine if you're a manufacturer and you have three months notice that an FDA investigator is coming versus no notice here in the United States, you have a lot of time to clean up um, and they're not getting what that, what that on the spot investigation should look like. So what are some of the recommendations that they've accepted and what are some of the recommendations that you've seen no action on? So over the years, they really have acted on our recommendations. Um, like I said, FDA takes this seriously. They have been working on these recommendations. We still have concerns about coming up with, like you had mentioned, uh, targets and performance measures and understanding how effective are the foreign offices in, in providing the information they need to know which of the uh, manufacturers, for example, to actually go and investigate. Um, and they're making progress there, but they did a reorganization. And so they're still in the process of reorganizing and then the pandemic hit. So that, that actually slowed down. Um, they also had made progress in coming up with a workforce plan because we had serious concerns about the vacancies that they have um, in, in being able to do these inspections. And so they have come up with a workforce plan separate for the foreign investigators, but they still are having problems. Most investigators come from the domestic base. Um, and so the workforce plan they have is not working. So we continue to keep our eye on that and to see, we have ongoing work to, to see how they're gonna overcome that problem. 
And what, what are you seeing in terms of possible solutions? Well, we, you know, we feel strongly that you need to have a workforce plan that's implementable and that it has to take into consideration if most of your investigators are coming from the domestic investigation uh, workforce, then they have to take that into consideration and eliminate the vacancies, not only overseas, but eliminate the vacancies here in the US. Because if that's where your investigators are coming from, you can't have investigator vacancies here in the US. So we're, that's what we're continuing to keep our eye on. And it's tricky for FDA because they have to not only hire, so say for example, they closed all of their vacancies today. Even if they did that, you need experienced investigators to go over to, to do uh, work over in China and India, uh, in Europe and other countries. You really, um, you can't have an inexperienced investigator, according to the model that they currently have. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> what I think about is how you mentioned there's been a concern for two decades. And then um, what also enters, what another thing you said is, you make recommendations, but you can't force FDA to do anything. And mm -hmm. then on top of that, I think about the stereotypical bureaucracy of a government agency. So, um, so what is what is your level of um, concern, or um, what is your level of hope that FDA is going to get to a place that is um, acceptable? My hope is that FDA will be transparent about what they need and to say that, look, you're right, we don't have the resources to be able to do what we need to do. Here's a workforce plan. Congress, this is what we need. They need to set forth in their appropriations exactly what they need. This is extremely difficult. And FDA has gone on record as saying that what they'd like to do is they'd like to change the way they manufacture the drug so that they can bring that drug manufacturing home so it's not so strenuous. And advanced manufacturing is a fantastic step. And they do, or they are making progress there, but advanced manufacturing isn't going to miraculously appear overnight. So they still have to continue to figure out how they're going to do these foreign inspections that are equivalent to how we do them here in the United States, equivalent meaning no, no notice, no advance notice, ensuring that you have someone who speaks the native language, not relying on the manufacturer to provide the translator. I mean, we had some investigators telling us that they were using um, like a Google app for translation because the manufacturer that provided a translator, which in itself is not good, right? For right. the right. to provide it, yeah. But then they didn't have the technical knowledge to be able to translate the technical documents. So they, they have a ways to go before we'd be satisfied that they're doing a good job with their international inspections. Um, so my perspective is that there's a, um, an emphasis on international inspections as opposed to domestic inspections. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. They're, what they're doing is they're putting the emphasis where the manufacturing is occurring. So I do think it's correct that if more manufacturing is occurring overseas, then that's where the, and that's where the risk model says the risks are. I should back up and say it is a risk-based inspection. Mm -hmm. So if that's where they're saying it is, and so mm -hmm. those inputs into that model are absolutely critical, right? 
you don't have good inputs, then you don't know if the, how good the model is at spitting out which manufacturers to see. Yeah. Well, I know that um, I visit FDA's dashboard probably a couple times a week, and it mm -hmm. shows inspections, both domestic and foreign, um, mm -hmm. year by year. And obviously with COVID, there was a dramatic just halt of inspections. And I haven't seen anything on the dashboard that is indicating that they're ramping up. Um, on top of that, when I look at the warning letters um, that they post, they all seem to be very remote, meaning they're targeting tobacco companies, companies that are making false claims about the treatment of COVID. Um, so I don't see a lot of indication that things are ramping up. Um, every so often I'll hear whispers that, you know, FDA appeared here or they're planning on going there, but it, it hasn't been this uh, kind of resurgence that I thought was going to happen. Because at this point in time, um, the way I, I'm perceiving things is we understand COVID now uh, to the, you know, to a, a reasonable level. Um, the vaccinations are getting out. Um, people are starting to travel and get on planes. So mm -hmm. is my perception that they're still pretty locked down accurate? Um, or have I just not seen, has the ripple not hit the shore? So I think it depends on how you want to define how big a ripple is. Um, <laughs> they certainly are doing more than they were before. So from March until the end of the fiscal year of 2020, so March through October, they had only done like three inspections overseas. And if I recall correctly, I think they were for cause inspections. Mm -hmm. So it virtually came to a halt, right? Like they really hadn't done anything. They have now said that they will resume domestic inspections on that risk-based model that I talked about. When I, it's a different risk-based model than the, sorry, I should rephrase that. Based on the number of infections, what that particular area looks like, because as you know, COVID is very local specific. And I think if I recall correctly, they the last time we looked at it, they had started domestic and about 54 inspections have been done. I want to make a note that all inspections are pre-announced at this, at this time going with COVID. So the distinction between pre-announced overseas versus announcing, uh, not announcing here domestic is no longer there during COVID. They said that they will continue that during the course of the public health emergency. The secretary has the right to keep this public health emergency in place for a very long time. Um, if you look at, the drug misuse crisis, they just keep upping the public health emergency for like the opioid, opioid crisis. So that's where we are on the domestic front. They have started, they look at it on a local, local basis. Overseas, they continue if they need to, they do mission critical, it could be for a cause, um, it could be a, a pre-approval, but they do have people in place in the India and China office right now. And they are beginning to do some inspections on a limited basis. I don't know the number at the off, offhand. I hope it's, but, but I hope it's, it's pretty limited critical. in India. <clears throat> yeah, well, and I would imagine we haven't spoken to them recently. I mean, watching the news, clearly, you know, it's, it's pretty scary over there right now. Mm -hmm. um, what is your opinion on um, the disparity between an unannounced versus announced visit? 
Well, so we've been pretty vocal about that with GAO. We feel strongly that, that they should do unannounced inspections. And FDA will argue that because of the complications of the travel, it's just not possible to do unannounced inspections. But they have been able to do, quote unquote, I think what you hear out there floating around is a pilot. FDA says it's not a pilot, but over in India, they tested that. If you have boots on the ground overseas, it is possible to do limited an hour or so, or even a day's notice um, uh, inspections or on the spot inspections. Um, they don't have to pre-announce or they could use the State Department to make arrangements. And FDA has told us that they are working on this and that is something we are tracking very closely. Um, one of the, there was an article written um, by Morgan Lewis and they were talking about the Biden administration's focus for FDA. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought it was well thought um, because they said uh, some of the areas they're going to focus on are companies that got approved through the Emergency Use Authorization Act, as well as companies that are entering into the software as a medical device industry. And um, as a consulting firm helping those uh, companies that want to enter into, you know, what I term FDA land. Um, right. I can tell you that my experience has been is that the vast majority of these companies that are entering in through either the EUA or um, software as a medical device, it's their first rodeo um, mm -hmm. with FDA. And so, you know, as is the case with most things that are novel, um, there's going to be a lot of mistakes and lack of understanding. So um, I think industry, from my perspective, is very curious about, you know, what is that going to look like and how is that going to impact the industry? So specifically, those companies that do fall into those categories, you know, what do, what do you think they can expect? And then for companies that are outside of that, your, your regular, you know, drug manufacturers, medical device manufacturers, um, does that focus on those industries mean that there's going to be uh, fewer inspections that they can expect from their end? Or, you know, what's your perception there? So you've got a lot there and I'll try and unpackage a little bit. And we have some ongoing work. Um, so I don't have a lot of answers for you because um, we're just in the beginning stages here. But um, so emergency use authorization, I'll start with that. You know, that's a whole different can of worms than the normal. So there's the, the law has different requirements for inspections and it's really left up to FDA to make decisions. So for example, with therapeutics, we had therapeutics that were allowed to come into this country because we um, FDA had determined that there was a need for those therapeutics from manufacturing facilities that had never um, been inspected. So for example, hydroxychloroquine, um, you may have read in the media that from Pakistan that had never been inspected. Or the flip side is they've been inspected they found concerns, they were on the import alert list, but then that's lifted because of the COVID experience, we found that we needed to have that drug here. So it's, it's a very different ballpark when it comes to emergency use authorization. And that's gonna be very tricky for FDA and also for the manufacturers. What I will say is related to that work, when we did our work on that related to vaccines and therapeutics, 
Um, we said that no matter what you do, you need to be FDA very clear on your decision making for, so that the companies and the general public and everyone knows why you authorize something and not on the other end of that. And they agreed with that and they became much more transparent. Now I recognize not all therapeutics or drugs, but that same concept applies. Transparency is needed. Um, and so there are some confidentiality agreements with the manufacturers and FDA has to work through that and come up with providing the public enough evidence while maintaining that confidentiality with the manufacturers. So that's going to be tricky for them, for them to walk. A lot of this stuff right happening right now is EUA. It really is. Yeah. Well, um, I guess one last thing that I wanted to talk about is um, it's funny when companies call us, um, you know, we're, we're in the business of helping people to comply with FDA. We're not in the business of trying to speculate, speculate about what FDA is thinking. Although I'll tell you, Mary, that that's a very common question um, that I receive is what do you think FDA is going to do? And um, depending on the question, sometimes I'll give an answer. Sometimes I'll say, I don't feel comfortable giving an answer. Um, but the, the underlying theme behind what I'm saying is that um, there's a thirst in industry about, you know, what, what, is, what is that new nugget of information about FDA's approach, challenges, focus, that isn't already publicly available. So is there anything that you um, see rumblings with or have heard that maybe hasn't made its way out into you know, the public forum yet that you think would be really interesting for the industry to know? I wish I had that answer for you. <laughs> I gotta tell you, right? how many people call us and say, yeah. what are they gonna do? Or why did they allow this drug, approve this one and not that one? And GAO is not a policymaking organization. If we could think into FDA and have that glass ball, I mean, it would make our life easier too, but we really don't. Uh, we, only, we, we only can audit the program once it's in place. Yeah, okay. Any, uh, any last words you wanna leave, leave with? Well, I, I think you have a, a big job ahead of you. Clearly there's a lot of changes. I think that FDA is gonna be rethinking how it's gonna, what it's gonna do and how it's gonna do it moving forward. Um, I think both of us are gonna be busy. Yep, for sure. All right, well, thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. And um, as always, if you find conversations like this valuable, please share it with a colleague or your professional network if you haven't already. Subscribe to get updates of new episodes at the fdagroup.com slash podcast and follow the FDA group on LinkedIn. If you'd like to connect about a project or resource needs, head over to the fdagroup.com and get in touch or feel free to connect with me personally on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you very much, Mary, and we'll see you all next time.